0: thank you brother terry we spoke about what i'd be preaching on i said i'm gonna be preaching on life or death it's your choice he said i think i got a song that i fit fit that he did a great job putting that together thank you thank you for taking part in worship thank i Thank our choir and I thank uh, our praise team and all of you and those at home who've worshipped this morning. Thank you for taking part. If you brought your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter two, the very first part of God's word, first book in the Bible. We're going to look at Genesis chapter two, verses eight through seventeen. I'm going to share a sermon that I uh, that I've entitled "Life or Death, It's Your Choice." Life death. It's your choice. And we're going to look at Genesis chapter 2, and we'll read verses um, 8 through 17, and then we'll go to Luke chapter 23 after a while. And I'll share some other passages with you. But if you're able, health-wise, if you would, please stand for the reading of God's infallible, inspired, and errant word. And we'll look at Genesis chapter 2 and we'll look at verse eight through 17. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And now a river went out of Eden to water the garden and from there it parted and became four rivers. The names of the first is Pashan, it's the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, which there is goad, and the goad of that land is good. Bdellium and the Anak stone are there. The name of the second river is Gahan, it's the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is Hedekel. it's the one who goes toward the east of Assyria, and the fourth river is Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden you may fu- freely eat But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for an opportunity to worship you today. I thank you for the health that we have and that we're able to be here and to praise you. We've sung hymns and praise songs and now we've opened your word. We ask, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts through your word this morning. Again, I pray for each person here and the choices that need to be made, some perhaps to be saved, never been saved before, Lord. And I pray today they would step out and say, I want to trust Christ to be my Lord and Savior, and I trust him and him only to save me. Others to come, Lord, to place membership here perhaps, or others to come just to make things right with you and just kneel down at this altar here and pray. And God, I just pray that you'll work in our time together this morning. Be with me, I pray, as I share your word and give me the right spirit to say it, to share in. And Father, may I speak your word, not mine. And I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want us to go back just for a minute. To, well, chapter 2, instead of picking up with chapter, uh, verse 8, I want us to look at verse 7. You have your Bibles there, and I uh, didn't get it to uh, uh, for the screen, so if you would, look at verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living soul. i got just a little brief outline. I want us to look at um, uh, this passage of Scripture and include verse 7. I'm going to go back and include verse 7. And I want us to talk about first the creation of man. Let's look at this again. Verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed. The Lord... Formed, the Lord God formed. The word Lord is in all capitals. So if you're taking notes, the first outline point would be the creation of man, verse 7 and 8. So the creation of man, God formed, he formed man. The Lord, all capital, Lord, Elohim, uh, Jehovah, uh, Jesus Christ. When you see it all caps there, it's, it's Elohim. It's Jehovah, same word for Jesus Christ, formed man, formed man. Man was not formed by some impersonal force, as some people think. Man was not, you know, he just didn't appear out of nothing. He, he didn't evolve out of some creature, some way, but God formed man. The word formed there in the Hebrew is Yetzer. Yetzer means to mold, it means to shape. God molded and shaped man he formed man. To form is, is like a picture of a, a, a potter who has an image in his mind and he wants to put that image together in a lump of clay and he takes what's in his mind and he forms it. He shapes it. It's yat He puts it on a pedestal and it's the exact image perhaps as he had in his mind. And so God formed man. God Shaped man. So the point is, you and I are creations of God. We're creations of God's mind, His intelligence, His power. He formed us, and so this gives us some. This gives us a, you know, uh, something to shout about, to praise God about because He's He's formed us. We just not. We just didn't evolve. So it's uh, it's it's dignity for the man to know that he's been formed by God. It's an honor of man to know that we've been formed by God. And so we are the creations of God, his very heart, his very mind, his very power. He has formed us. So first you have this creation of man. God formed man. But not only that, if you'll notice there, after he formed man, he formed man. First of all, he formed man out of the dust of the ground, not Let's not forget that. He formed man out of the dust of the ground. Verse 7, God formed man of the dust of the ground. Formed us out of the dust of the ground. Just imagine our bodies are just made of the same substance as the earth is made of. He formed us from the dust of the ground. We have that same substance that the earth has. Those same chemical elements that the earth has, we have in our physical body. So we're not made from gold dust, and we're not made from diamond dust, and we're not made from the powder of a pearl, but we just came from old common dirt. That's what we are. That's what we're made of. So you and I, we have nothing to be proud of. We're made from dirt. It's one lump of clay talking to other lumps of clay. We're made from dirt. We're made from the dust of the ground. So we have nothing to be proud of. We're we're no better. I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. We're just all dirt formed together by God and humanity. And God created us and formed us. And because of that, there's no place for pride. There's no place for prejudice. There's no place for discrimination or jealousy. There's no place for enslavement. We're all made like each. Uh, you know, out of dirt, out of, out of uh, the dust of the ground. We came from dust, and one day we're going to return to dust. We're made from the dust of the earth. So God formed us out of the dirt. And so you have the creation of man, and we're made from the dust of the earth. But something else happened. God formed us. God shaped us. And when he shaped us, we were just laying there, no doubt. Man was just there just in a lifeless form, lifeless form. No, no, just laying there. There was, there was no life in the body that God created. And then God did something. God breathed into man's nostrils. Now think of that. And man became life, or man began to breathe. He, the Bible says he became a living soul. And so first came the body, but it was lifeless. And now the body starts moving after God breathes into the nostrils of man and it becomes a living soul. And when God breathed into man's nostrils, he just he just wasn't breathing air into Adam's lungs where he could live. He didn't have to breathe his own breath where Adam could live. He could, I mean, he could he didn't breathe in the nostrils of the animals before they lived. God didn't have to breathe into Adam's body to get him to live. God could have simply said at a word and caused Adam to become a living soul just like he did when he created all the animals. But he chose not to do that, to speak a word, but he breathed in the man's nostrils. And man became a living soul. God has given man his spirit. The, the, the Hebrew word for that is rock. Your rock. The Spirit of God, the wind of God, the breath of God. And so man has the breath of God. When man was created, God breathed in the man's nostrils his breath, the breath of God. God had connected with man more than he connected with anything that he'd ever created because he breathed his breath into man's nostrils. And so this, this same breath that God had, this This rock, this spirit, this breath, this wind also was an eternal spirit. So God's eternal. When he breathed his spirit into us, through man's nostrils, man became a living soul. He became an eternal spirit. And so who gives life? Doctors don't give life. Who gives life? Listen, if you will, to Job chapter uh, chapter 27, verse 1. Jot down Job 27, verse 1. Moreover, Job continued his discourse, and he said this, As God lives, who has taken away my justice, and the Almighty who has made my soul bitter, as long as my breath is in me, and the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not speak wickedness. So who gave him breath? God. He realized God had given him, him breath jot down Isaiah chapter 42 Isaiah 42 and let's look at verse 5 Thus says God the Lord who created the heavens and snatched them out and stretched them I'm sorry and stretched them out who spread forth the earth that which comes from it who gives breath to the people on it and the spirit to those who walk on it It's God that gives us life it's God that gives us breath if you would, jot down um, Daniel chapter 5, Daniel 5, verse 22 and 23. Who gives breath? Daniel five twenty-two. but you, his son Belshazzar, speaking of Nebuchadnezzar, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this, and you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven, and they've brought the vessels of the house before you. And you and your lords and your wives and your concubines have drunk, Wine from them and you have praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron and wood and stone which do not see here or know and the god who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways you have not glorified you know if we just take a good deep breath you know god gave us that and one day we'll take our last breath when he's when he sees fit to us for us to breathe our last, but it's God that gives our breath. Look, jot down Acts chapter seventeen, verse twenty-four. God who made the world and everything in it, since He is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not dwell in temples made with hands. For is He worshipped? Nor is He worshipped with man's hands, as though He needed anything, since He gives to all life breath in all things. It's God that gives our breath. We take our our life, we take our breath for granted until we see a lifeless body in front of us that has no breath. And it's a helpless feeling to see to see someone take their what? Their last breath. You cannot retain the spirit after the spirit is God calls that spirit. It leaves the body. You can't retain it. You can't stop it. It's leaving the body, and all of a sudden you have a breathless body. You have a lifeless body, and the breath is gone from the body. So God created man. He formed man out of the ground. He gave us life. But then notice in in verse eight, in uh, Genesis chapter two, God put two trees in the garden. Did you notice that. He put two trees in the garden, and one was the tree of life, and the other one was the tree of knowledge, okay? Let's look at this. Look at verse 8, Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put man whom he had formed Verse 9, And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that's pleasant to the sight and good for the eyes. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God planted these two trees. The garden of Eden met man's needs. And that tree of life was meant for man to live forever. He could partake of that tree. He just couldn't partake of the one that God told him to stay away from. But he could partake of the tree of life. In verse 9, the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden. And the fruit of this tree would give the, the power of everlasting life. And man, Adam was free to partake of it. But he did not partake of that tree. He partook he of the wrong tree. If you remember the story, verse 9 says that there was another tree in the midst of the garden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so... Man was given an opportunity by God to choose for himself. He has been given his free will. And so if you're taking notes, the third point is man has the ability to choose between good and evil, between the tree of life, the tree of death, what's good, what's life, what's evil, the death. And notice in the day he says that you eat of the tree of good and knowledge, you're going to do what? You're going to die. And so that was the choice. So God doesn't want us to die. God wants us to live. He said, partake of the tree of life, but don't take of the tree of knowledge. Take of the tree of life. I want you to live. There's the tree of life. You need to eat from the tree of life. Don't eat from the tree that's going to cause you to die. But what did they do? You know the story. They ate of the tree of knowledge in good and evil. So what did God do? Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 23. When Adam and Eve partake of the tree of knowledge. Verse 23, chapter 3. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed a cherubim at the east end of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way To guard the way of what? To the tree of life. And so, it wasn't so much to guard them from coming back into the garden, but he didn't want them to get to that tree of life. Now, why is that? Well, God gave them their own free will, Aren't aren't you glad God gave us free will? I mean, we have a choice. We have the ability to choose. And that's the freedom. That freedom's not given to us by the government. That's an inalienable right that we have. We have the right to choose. We have this freedom of choice. The government didn't give us that freedom, but God did. And it's an inalienable inalienable right. I mean, it's ours. It's free. It's from God. And so God has given us this free will, and he chooses. uh, We choose to partake of what is good or to partake of what is wrong and what is bad. Now, all through the Old Testament, you find where people are met with this choice between good and evil. If you remember uh, Abel and Cain, both were sons of Abraham. And Abel chose God and Cain chose murder. He killed his brother. Cain slew his brother Abel. Abel had chosen righteousness. Cain chose murder. Abraham and Lot, they were both pilgrims. In the land Abraham chose God Lot chose Sodom and God let him choose Sodom. You have David and Saul. David chose God, Saul chose power and God let Saul choose power. And so we, you know, the Bible says we either build our lives on the rock or on the rock or we build our lives on sand. God allows us to build our rock on uh, our lives on rock and those that want to build on sand, he permits them to build on sand. You know, we can serve God or we can serve money, but we can't serve both. And so he lets us make a choice who we're going to serve. Now, have you ever noticed that uh, there on the cross at Calvary, there were three crosses and there was one on the right of Jesus and one on the left of Jesus? If you would, let's turn, turn, to, turn to Luke Turn to believe, uh, turn to Luke chapter 23, Luke chapter 23. And we want to look at uh, Luke chapter 23. I'm going to share verse let uh, me pick up. We'll share verses. Let's go to verse 40. Let's go to verse 39. Luke uh, 23, and we're at Calvary now, and Jesus is on the cross, and there's two malefactors, two criminals that are uh, crucified with him. And I'll close with this. One of the criminals, verse 39, who, hanged, who were hanged, blasphemed him, saying, If you are Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God? seeing that you're under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss or nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, As surely as I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. So you have three crosses there on Calvary. Could it be, I was thinking, could it be that the two crosses on Golgotha, on Calvary, symbolize one of God's greatest blessings to mankind, and that is the gift of choice. That's a blessing. God gives us the freedom to make a choice. Now these criminals that were there, they were, you know, they were, they were both connected uh, to Jesus in some way. They were being crucified with him. They had that in common with Jesus. But these two criminals had things in common with each other. They were convicted by the same system. They were condemned. The same death. They were, sur- they were surrounded by the same crowd. And they were close to the same Jesus. But one of them changed. All of a sudden, verse 39, then one of the criminals... Who were hanged blasphemed him and said, If you're the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other in answering rebuked him, saying, do, yourself, do you not even fear God, seeing that you're under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing amiss. And then he said, to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, and surely I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, we talk a lot about the thief on the cross who prayed. But what about the thief that didn't pray? What about him? He had a choice to pray. The same as the thief that prayed. But he chose not to, and God led him. God doesn't give us the freedom to choose our parents. He doesn't give us the freedom to choose the place where we're born. He doesn't give us the, to, the freedom to, ha- to choose the natural color of our hair or the color of our eyes. He doesn't give us the freedom to choose those things. But what God does, he gives us freedom, the greatest freedom of all, and that is to choose where we're going to spend eternity. And it's your choice. He doesn't make you go to heaven, but it's your choice. Now, he wants everyone to to be saved. Look at Deuteronomy as we close. Deuteronomy chapter uh, 30, verse 19. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. This is what God's Word says. says, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I have set before you life and death. So you have before us life and death. We have the tree of life and the tree of knowledge, which brings forth death. You have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. So God sets before us today life and death, and he says choose life, that you and your descendants may live, but your choice. Edwin Thomas was a well-known actor in the 1800s. Edwin had two brothers, John and Julius. In 1863, these three brothers performed the play of Julius Caesar. John played the role of Brutus, the assassin. The same John, two years later in 1865, went into the Ford's Theater in Washington and shot Abraham Lincoln. The last name of the brothers, John Thomas Booth and John Wilkes Booth. Edwin was never the same. He was was embarrassed, he was hurt, and he went into retirement, never to be in another place. Then one day, years later, at a New Jersey train station, Edwin was waiting for his train, and a young man there lost his footing and he fell between between the rails. Edwin reached down and he grabbed him and he pulled him to safety. He saved his life, and he didn't realize who the man wa- he didn't realize who the man was. He didn't know who he rescued. And then a few days passed and he received a letter in the mail and he carried the letter with him constantly, continually, and it was buried in his coat pocket. Inside that letter was acknowledged the name of the person that he rescued. The letter thanked him for saving the son of the President of the United States, Robert Todd Lincoln. Edwin and John had the same father. They had the same mother. They had the same talents. But one chose life, and the other one chose death. Two thieves on a cross next to Jesus. One mocked him. The other one prayed to him. And the one prayed, Jesus loved him enough to let him pray. And the one mocked him, Jesus loved him enough to let him mock him. He allowed both to have a choice. And today, it's your choice. If you've never trusted Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, you have a choice. You either accept him or you reject him. It's that simple. You either cry out to him, pray to him, say, Lord God, please forgive me. Jesus, please come into my life and save me, or you can reject him. If you pray to him, he'll hear you, he'll save you. If you reject him, he'll allow you to do that. Now, we've all made some bad choices in our lives. I've made bad choices in my life. We've all made bad choices, perhaps in lifestyle or perhaps in a habit. But one good choice that you make here today can do away with all those bad choices. God gives you the choice between life between death and so one good choice can make up for all the bad first God created man formed man formed him from the dust breathed into his nostrils a breath of life eternal life he died spiritually later if you remember then God gives us the ability to choose life or death and I pray today that you'll choose life over death that's our prayer Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person here, and thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord, that uh, you give us the gift, Lord, of free will that we can choose. And so, Father, we love you today because we're not programmed to love you. We love you because we choose to love you and to serve you. And Jesus, we love you because uh, you loved us and died on the cross for us. We realize that, and so we make a choice today to ask you to forgive us and to come into our life and save us. Some people need to make that choice today, Lord. Others need to be uh, making other choices, Lord, that, that uh, affect their walk with you. And so, Father, I pray today during this invitation time that people will make the right choice. Thank you for what you're going to do in our time of invitation. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.